Hey, Cassia, do you know what today is? Yeah, it's Star Wars Podcast Day. That's right. February 7th is Star Wars Podcast Day, and we are way excited to be a part of it. And this Star Wars Podcast Day marks the 23rd anniversary of Jedi Talk, the very first Star Wars podcast. Yeah, so make sure you follow the hashtags Star Wars Podcast Day or SWPD2022 on Instagram and Twitter to follow along with all of the amazing Star Wars podcasts today. And now, let's celebrate. Hello there, this is Daniel Hodge, and I play Darth Malak and Kendris in Unreal Cinema's Knights of the Old Republic series. This is the Old Republic Podcast. Be sure to check out their Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Old Republic Podcast. This is the Old Republic Podcast. Spoiler warning for the Knights of the Old Republic series, Star Wars, The Old Republic, and all other media. This is where the fun begins. Hello there, and welcome to the first KOTOR fan celebration. This is cool. It's it's a first-time celebration for all of us. How are you doing today, Brian? I am doing great. I'm excited to be putting on the first KOTOR fan celebration. I'm excited that we are a part of Star Wars Podcast Day, uh, which is a very exciting day. It goes way back to the first ever Star Wars podcast, and we are honored to be a part of that uh, special release and special fan celebration uh, for the occasion. Yeah, and I just wanted to say uh, thank you to my old co-host, uh, Coden Bon uh, for mm-hmm. all of his help and hard work. Uh, the Old Republic podcast would not be where it is today without uh, his help when we were the Ebon Hawk podcast. And uh, and speaking of Coden, Coden sent us a pitch, so why don't we listen to that? Hey, everyone. I just wanted to jump in and share my thoughts real quick on... What I would like to see in a KOTOR adaptation. Well, I just wanted to keep it brief, though, and just say that I'd be open to either having a Disney Plus series or a standalone film. Probably not much to do with the events of the video game, however, especially since we're now getting a video game remake. Uh, If it were a series, I'd like something grander in the world of Star Wars in the time of KOTOR, but with new characters, new related but different conflicts, a new antagonist with more depth, maybe build some empathy or disdain towards this antagonist. Multiple protagonists spread across the different worlds, being part of the overall plot. Uh, If it were a movie, uh, maybe something similar, but a little bit more tidy. Less characters allowing more time for character or villain development and plot progression. Since this is the Old Republic, I wouldn't mind seeing less grand equipment. Uh, The Common Republic cruisers at the time were Hammerhead Corvettes, and the Sith featured the Interdictor-class cruiser. Uh, less than half the size of the Imperial class Star Destroyer, so um, the spectacle doesn't need to be that large to me. And uh, we could see the Star Forge. Uh, I'd hope we find a way to deal with it other than blowing up the reactor core with a small fleet of light fighters. But that's just me. Uh, how about everybody else? It's funny because our KOTOR adaptation kind of began in like episode 30 and... Uh... 
it's kind of been going mm-hmm. on for for a while so it's been woven throughout this podcast and it's introduced us to a lot of awesome fans a lot of awesome content creators and helped us really kind of understand stories at a deeper level so i don't know what do you kind of think about like the recap yeah i mean you guys got to start it off back you know like you said around episode 30 and then um, you know, picked up. And then when I joined on, you and I kept going. We had a lot of guests on that kind of helped us. But yeah, I really like digging into the story on more more of like an analytical and uh, looking at it like a film versus, you know, just looking at the game. It, you know, it kind of added some depth, some dimension, especially to some of the characters. Um, I think, you know, over the course of uh, all of these episodes where we've been talking about it, you know, kind of what we used to think of as like our favorite characters, I think that's kind of shifted and what we get out of other characters and other parts of the story have really changed now that we've looked at it, you know, through the lens of, of making an adaptation for it. And I think that that's really cool. I think it's a good way to kind of analyze a story and, uh, you know, to, to get more out of it, get more into the lore and, and all that stuff's pretty exciting. So yeah, definitely excited to have been a part of going through this uh, process here. Yeah. In a way, this could be kind of like a recreational film school project, you know. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, our listeners learn from it. I, I've i learned more about uh, storytelling and characters, and especially, like, I feel like I kind of understand the KOTOR characters at a deeper level, and mm-hmm. that's, that's always fun as a creative, you know, and yeah, hopefully... Y'all, oh man, I said y'all, you all (laughs) have learned, you know, something along the way or, you know, had fun, you know, so we're always just appreciative. Yeah, that's right. I'm in North Carolina, so I can say y'all, but yeah, I think one of the, one of the really cool things is, you know, being an RPG, you get to kind of put yourself in the shoes of these characters, Um, you know, so we each come at it through our own, you know, kind of real world perspective and um, upbringings and things like that. So, you know, having different guests on to go through different kind of story sections and, uh, you know, think about it that way, it really sheds some light into like other ways to look at things. And I think that that's been, you know, really enlightening, really eye opening. And uh, it's been one of my favorite parts about going through, uh, you know, this process of turning this into, you know, a supposed fan film. Yeah. We just wanted to thank our patrons from Patreon who have helped us uh, create uh, this podcast. Uh, so thank you to Nikki Dog, Lorg, Minha Zedin, Gabe Young, Huni D, and Vasily. We appreciate so much that our patrons are helping us out and mm-hmm. we've created some awesome lo-fi we've created some awesome postcards some merch and uh it helps us create each episode and uh yeah it's it's been awesome yeah definitely we wouldn't have been able to do all that stuff the lo-fi and the art you know without the support of the patrons so uh, yeah, definitely been fun. And, you know, kind of a couple of the highlights of, of my year in terms of the podcast, you know, we've done a couple of, uh, you know, kind of behind the scenes episodes and watch alongs and stuff. And that's been really fun, too. So, yeah, definitely a big shout out to all the patrons over there on uh, Patreon to, you know, help us keep this thing moving forward. 
And we did we did mention lo-fi, and we do have the the lo-fi track coming out, the Bast Lashan lo-fi track coming out soon. So thank you to Dennis Mowers. You can find him on Instagram at Dennis S. Mowers. And I think we'll be hearing more from him in the future. And he is going to be someone to watch or, I guess, listen to in the future, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, definitely listen to him. And that that lo-fi track is is great. And the patrons got a sneak peek of it today. But uh, Dennis is awesome. He's helped us with the lo-fi music. He also helped us, uh, you know, back in the Tatooine episode, you know, kind of kind of go through through that section of the of the game and our film. Um, yeah. So that was really fun having him on to talk about that, too. So and then I think the number one Max Rebo fan out there, Hooney D, uh, our podcast, I don't think this podcast would be anywhere near what it would be today if I didn't have him on uh, mm-hmm. for 59, 76, and 77. I think it really opened my eyes like to different perspectives and what this podcast can be. And uh, mm-hmm. man, I like just Hooney, we, we love you. So uh, thank you for being a, a good friend so yeah absolutely absolutely yeah i love having him on um getting his perspective and you know really kind of stops and make you think about you know what's important and you know the decisions we're making and uh you know definitely shed some good light into some uh sections of our story here in kotor too so yeah kashik and and tatooine and then we did have 100 percent star wars the 100 percent star wars on our podcast and that was really cool um, to talk kind of like about the Leviathan, the reveal, and Darth Malak because it really transformed my views of Darth Malak pre the Unreal Cinema Malak short film. Uh, it mm-hmm. it helped me realize like the depth that is there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um- you know, talking to him was really cool because he he knows just a, a ton about Kotor and this world and things. So it it's really great to you know get something with or you know get someone on you know with that kind of depth of knowledge that we could really you know kick ideas around with. And you know, even though he wasn't keen on the idea of uh, film adaptation, uh, he still he entertained us with uh, his ideas for it, and I thought that that was really fun. So he was he was open, you know. He was open. So- yeah. That, that's that's the point of like a discussion is like i i know how ironic it is like that i'm i'm gonna be saying this but like the key is to listen i've been working on it you know <laughs> uh but um yeah just listening and then uh just kind of being open to different perspectives and um yeah that episode was great and then thank you to jake bode fleming on instagram he is an artist who is kind of working on concept art and he helps out with Unreal Cinema, and he's actually been helping us with uh, on a cool piece of Revan on Manon kind of acting as an arbiter. And he actually submitted a great pitch for us, and we can listen to that now. Hi, my name is Jake, and I'm doing concept art for Unreal Cinema's KOTOR adaptation. And I would like to thank the Old Republic podcast for letting me give my thoughts on this topic. Alright, so in my version 
of a KOTOR adaptation, we would put a lot more emphasis on the downfall of Revan. So first, we would have everything play as normal until the suit by Grace on Taris. At this point, I would have Basil and Revan become clear love interests. So, you know, it, it's really obvious to the viewer. Alright, so this, this would be a bit of an antagonise... I suppose it would, it would antagonise Karth a bit. But it just adds to his overall grumpy character. Just a little side arc there. Anyways, once Malak has begun the bombardment of Taris, I would have Revan start becoming way more aggressive in that moment. So he would then go on to kill David Kang, as it would play out normally, and injure Kalo Nord, just as it normally plays out. Right, but anyways, this would show his descent back into the dark, and of course the group escape Harris and go to Dantooine to start Revan's training. So all of this pretty much plays out the shame. Shame. The same. <laughs> um, so after Revan's went about slaughtering Mandalorians and becoming a Jedi, he'll begin searching for the star maps. However, all of this has brought back the memories to Revan and this is the key change so the rest from this point on the rest of the story plays out as it did but the main arc change would be between Revan and Bastila it would be a long unraveling of his evil self coming back through but you know fighting with his new Jedi ideals and of course Bastila trying to save him one of the note I would make is well I suppose I would make the age gap a little less huge because normally Bastler's about 20 and Revan's like 45 so yeah we'd tone that back a bit um, anyways another character I would want to see a lot more of is Jolie so I'd want him to become a bit more of a role model for Bastila than for Revan. So it would, I don't know, it would just make, show the progress of Bastila becoming more of an adult throughout the story. From being, oh yeah, you know, a old teacher's pet into becoming more of a full-fledged, you know, capable person. Another change, well, right, okay, never mind. In this version, the Starforge is critical. At the point that they're on the Starforge, just to start, Malik's Jedi absorption pods are of the Masters that you see in Dantooine. For example, Master Vruk. However, the biggest change in those pods is the fact Bastila is in one of those pods which of course would send Revan into a mad rage and he would then brutally murder Malik after finding this out and then Malik would simply die laughing nothing else just laughing dies you know his jaws on the floor whatever 
Alright, then Revan, enraged, would attempt to get Bastler out of the pod. However, it turns out, Malak's locked them all and has sent the Starforge to self-destruct if he dies because, you know, he has the master control and his thought process would be, well, if he can't have it, no one else can, especially not Revan because Malak would obviously know Revan would come and try and stop him. At this point, Revan and Bastila would die on the forge, consumed by flames, and realistically, that's it. The main point of this, most of the story would play out the same, except I would just emphasize the tragedy of it. So instead of how it plays out in the new canon, I guess, instead of Revan somehow surviving, I would make sure the characters die. Maybe not some side characters like um, Mission or Zalbar. Like, they could maybe live. I don't know, they're on the ship. Like, Karth and the rest of the crew's all on the ship. They went back to the Republic fleet. And the only two characters that die are the two lovebirds, Revan and Bastila. Just to emphasise that tragedy and the fact that Revan's been conflicted the entire time. Now, I just thought it'd be a bit more interesting to go down a darker, more emotionally rich route, but, I mean, really, that's it. So, that's my changes that I would have. Make it more... I mean, it already is a pretty story-oriented game, but just really dive deeper into the emotions of it because remember this is a really dark period a really really dark period in the republic's time so yeah um thanks for listening to my idea and if you don't mind i'm gonna go ahead and recommend to any listeners to check out unreal cinema because the stuff is that scott's doing it's absolutely amazing head over to the discord have a look about And again, right, thanks to the Old Republic podcast for having me and for letting me speak my mind. Right, cheers. I'll hopefully be in touch with you again soon. Wow. Uh, Okay. Jake. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a good take by Jake there. Um, You know, kind of kind of some of the same uh, themes I think we see going on. I I know that I also kind of want to see revving kind of in that that turmoil whether he decides to you know if he's going to be a good revving or a bad revving but yeah jake jake's going a little bit of a darker path there what do you what do you think about that cassia yeah first i just wanted to say we love unreal cinema and we echo mm, true yeah yeah we echo jake's sentiment uh for people to check out what they're doing they're doing incredible uh things um but yeah i I kind of like this tragic downfall of Revan and I also love love. So like, yeah, it's kind of like anytime anyone mentions the age gap being lessened, I'm like, yeah, you earned 10 (laughs) points for Gryffindor, you know, or whatever (laughs) house you're in. I'm actually Ravenclaw, which probably just means Mm. I think I'm smart, but I'm not really smart, you know, but, um, Hufflepuff. (laughs) <laughs> Hufflepuff's the best house, probably. Yeah, so, um, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, are Are you a Hufflepuff? 
I am, yeah. Okay, yeah. Team Hufflepuff is, is going to win the House Cup this year, probably. So, um, yeah, but anytime anyone, like, lessens that age gap, I'm like, yeah, you you get it. Uh, and then, like, having them die together on the Star Forge, like, oh, like, it, it just, I just love it, you know? And, it's, like, yeah. Malik kind of actually having an arc. I'm down for this, you know? So, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it eventually uh, brings uh, brings Revan back to you know where he was uh, trying to get away from you know kind of the whole time. So yeah, I, I like that. Uh, I like that pitch a lot. And thank you very much to uh, Jake for sending that in. We appreciate that. Yeah, and uh, as we kind of go through our list of, of people who have contributed to our recaps, uh, we we may miss some of them, but uh, we just wanted to say thank you to. Uh, the Gabe Young uh, for an excellent uh, look into all things Korriban and politics and like kind of how to make mm-hmm. that Sith Academy arc interesting. Yeah, definitely, um, you know, breathed some new life into that, um, you know, because that that section of the game is a little, um, especially like inside of the Academy, I think is, is a little bit thin, you know, most of the the meat of Korriban is, you know, spin out in the tombs, but yeah, Gabe did an excellent job of, um, you know, bringing in some, uh, politics and figuring out, uh, good ways to interpret the Sith Academy, um, into a movie. And, uh, that was, that was a really fun conversation. Um, I love talking to Gabe, uh, on that episode for sure. And then we had Christina was on to talk about dyads, Love and Lehan, uh, the Unknown World, uh, the Rakatan, uh Empire, all of those things. But she was on; she was awesome. That episode was super fun. Yeah, and uh, so thank you, Christina, and um, thank you to uh, Leva Swotor as well for uh, an awesome episode about all things Starforge. You know, and for entertaining our. Uh, KOTOR fanfic, you know, because that's always fun, you know, and she has an incredible YouTube channel and Instagram presence, Mm -hmm. so follow her at Oliva Swotor and uh, Swotor Fashion. Yeah, that's right. And if you if you follow me on Instagram, you might have seen that I just downloaded Swotor onto my computer. Um, and she promised that she would help us not be terrible at it. So I'm going to hold her to that too. So yeah, so we'll we'll di- we'll dive more into all things Swotor uh, coming up. And um, thank you so much to Astronautka Art for all of her help, like kind of helping us visualize these worlds of KOTOR, like in kind of unique ways, kind of updating the, the visuals, you know, mm-hmm. and we have some awesome postcards, which, uh, you can buy at the link in our bio. And we've sent some of them in the mail to friends of the pod. So, uh, we kind of have all the worlds. We even have Revan. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. We called that uh, that postcard series the Journey to the Star Forge, and yeah, she was excellent at you know kind of <laughs> getting our uh, our rambled ideas, um, you know, and uh, putting uh, ink and color to paper and getting those made for us, and they turned out awesome. Um, and she was awesome. She joined us for an episode to kind of you know walk through all of the the different artwork and uh, kind of her creativity and behind it. So yeah, definitely a shout out to Astronaut Art for helping us with that project yeah so be sure to follow her on instagram and 
Uh, we just wanted to, of course, thank our pal, Jolie Bendo, a.k.a. Trask, a.k.a. Marcus, who has submitted his own um, pitch. So let's listen to this. Okay. Hey, hey! <laughs> oh my god, I sound like Babu Frick. Hey, hey! Well, here we are at this rap party for the Old Republic's KOTOR adaptation. My name is Marcus Mosley, and I am honored to have been a guest on the show twice before, and to be invited by Cassie and Brian to this lovely little shindig. As requested, I'm here to pitch my version of a Knights of the Old Republic adaptation. Now, as you all may know, that I am the voice of Trask Olgo in Unreal Cinema's upcoming animated series of KOTOR. My pitch is in no way the same as what UC is adapting or creating for his series. If there are any similarities of story beats or ideas, it is truly incidental and is not a part of his adaptation. Now that that's out of the way, let's begin. What you just heard was the KOTOR Lo-Fi Edition from Dennis S. Mowers. Check out his website, dsmowersmusic.com. Anyway, I would like to follow the same template set by you, Cassie and Brian, and your trilogy adaptation. But as a series, I won't go over every single part. This will be more of a checklist of what I would like to see and some alterations that I would make in my adaptation. I would start the show with the same opening crawl and the same action as you see soldiers running through the halls as decks start exploding and blaster fire erupts in each cabin. The main character awakens in a panic and Trask will bust through the door, exactly like the game. We've been ambushed by a Sith battle fleet. The Endar Spire is under attack. Hurry up, we don't have much time. Did you fall out of your bunk and hit your head? The Endar Spire is the ship we're stationed on. This ship! You probably don't even know who I am, do you? I'm Trask Olgo, ensign with the Republic Fleet. I'm your bunkmate here on the Endar Spire. Now hurry up! We have to find Bastila. We'll call the main character... Venar for now. The action would continue, and then when Darth Bandon shows up, Trask would fight him. As the door shut behind Trask, Venar would run to meet Karth at the escape pods. You would actually see Trask fight Bandon and the sacrifice he makes. It would be an epic Vibroblade versus lightsaber fight that could be as memorable as Obi-Wan versus Anakin. For the Republic! Venar and Karth would escape and then land on Terrace. Well, crash land, that is. After the crash landing, we would pick up with Venar and Karth in the apartments in the upper city of Terrace. This would be the chance for us to get to know Karth and a little bit of his battle history. It would also showcase his suspicions of why Venar was so important to Bastila. We would then see Terrace as the sprawling, beautiful city it is. And then our heroes would find the doctor in the hospital in the upper city. They would see him for a quick checkup on Venar's aches from the crash. I would showcase the struggle of how the rat ghouls have become rampant in the lower city as a plot point. Venar would agree to find the cure and head to the lower city. Venar and Karth would head to the door and would be denied by the Sith Trooper and Karth would suggest going to the cantina and seeing if they could find someone that could sell them the uniforms. A little bit of a detective slash scavenger hunt would ensue as they reached the cantina. Now this cantina would be very nice with barely any scoundrels present. Here we would be introduced to Kalo Nord 
and his scene would stay exactly the same as the game. Quick, violent, and fast. After the excitement, there would be drinks flowing again, and our heroes would somehow get invited to a party in one of the apartments. Just like the side mission in the game, everyone would pass out from the drink mixes, except for Venar and Karth. <laughs> High tolerance, I guess. <laughs> our heroes would search the crate that's in the room, and then they would find the Sith uniforms and authorization papers, and this would be their way down the elevator to the lower city. Once there, the blaster fight between the Volkers and the Hidden Becks would commence. The Volkers would win, of course, and they would attack our heroes and lose. This is where Candorus comes in. Candorus would be walking down the path and he would witness the fight, and then shortly after compliment them on their skills. He would offer them a job that Davik has planned, since he doesn't have any men to work with. He said he would meet them in the second cantina, on this part of the planet when they were ready. This cantina would be dirtier and have nothing but scoundrels, bounty hunters, and all unsavory characters. When they walk in, they'll be met by Candorus, and he'll talk to them about the offer. The job would be to accompany him to the Undercity to hunt for the Rakul vaccine before the Sith troopers get it. They would agree to the job, but as they're all heading out, Karth overhears people talking about a race, a swoop race, if you will. First place would win the fastest swoop bike and have a chance to win their very own Jedi. Karth overhears this, but keeps it to himself since he's still not sure about Candorus or Venar yet. They would all get to the Undercity Village, and Candorus would go ahead as he would take the West End, and our heroes would take the East. We would see the village as it was in the game, and the cage there would have one infected person, and they would transform horribly and be executed by the guard. Venar and Karth would head to the gates, and once they go through, Mission comes running over to them and asks for their help to save her friend. Venar and Karth would choose to help her, then blaster fire in the distance would erupt, and they would rush over and find a Rakul munching on Sith troopers and a Wookiee fighting Rakul with the Vibroblade. Zalbar is introduced, and he would take the rest of the Rakul out, but is terribly wounded. Venara would help escort Zalbar and Mission back to the camps, while Karth would provide cover fire. They would arrive back to the camps, and the village nurse would check on him and find out Zalbar's infected. Zalbar would be placed in the cage, and Mission would be devastated. Mission would tell them that the Sith troopers had the vaccine and wouldn't give it to the people. That's why they fought, and then the Rackles ambushed them. Mission walks back to the gates and says she's going to go retrieve it, and Venara offers his help. Karth agrees, and they all go in to retrieve the vaccine. They all would return to the scene and search the bodies, and Karth would find two vials of the vaccine. He would hand it to Venar, and at the same time, Candorus would come sauntering over, wounded, but still strong. Venar would hide the vaccine because he didn't trust Candorus either. Candorus would ask if they found anything, but Venar would lie by saying no. Mission would be her usual snarky self towards Candorus, and he would brush it off. Candorus would come up empty-handed as well, and he says he'll meet up with Venar later. Mission, Venar, and Karth go back to the camp and give the vaccine to Zalbar. Now cured, Zalbar would swear the life debt to Venar. Karth would fill them in on the war of the Sith and the impending fight. Karth would tell Zalbar and Mission to stand by and keep in radio contact while Zalbar rests up. 
Karth, being impressed by Vinar's selflessness, would then confide in Vinar that there may be a way to get to Bastila. And now we see the first appearance of Darth Malak in his ship above Terrace. You summon me, Lord Malak. The search for Bastila is taking too long. We cannot risk her escaping Taras. Destroy the entire planet. The, the entire planet, Lord Malak? But there are billions of people on Taras. We'd be slaughtering countless innocent civilians, not to mention our own men still on the surface. Your predecessor once made the mistake of questioning my orders, Admiral. Surely you are not so foolish as to make the same mistake. Of, of course not, my Lord Malak. I will do as you command, but it will take several hours to position our fleet. Then I suggest you begin immediately. You are dismissed, Admiral. Yes, Lord Malak. Sakarth and Venar would head back up to the lower city and place their bets in the cantina. They would find a way to bet on the swoop bike race, and they would bet at least, I don't know, 200 credits on the hidden becks. Now we've all seen the pod race on Tatooine, but we've never seen a race on a planet that is a city. The swoop race would not be as long as the pod race, but it still would be fast and intense. The race would end with the hidden becks winning, and you would have the same epic moment of Bastila breaking out of her cell. She wouldn't be half naked though, L not like the game. She would still be in her iconic costume, and the cell she's held in would be more secure than a birdcage. Vinar and Karth would support her in the firefight, and this scene would be over pretty quickly. People, hear me! Before I present the so-called champion of the Vex with their prize, there is something you must know. The winning rider cheated! Your swoop bike was using a prototype accelerator. Clearly an unfair advantage. Because of this hidden Beck treachery, I'm withdrawing the Vulcan's share of the victory prize. I am the wave of the future. If I want to withdraw the prize and sell this woman on the slave market myself, nobody can stop me. I might have something to say about that, Brezhik. What? Impossible. You were restrained by a neural disruptor. How could you have possibly summoned the will to free yourself? You underestimate the strength of the Jedi's mind, Brezhik. A mistake you won't live to regret. Vulcus, to me! Kill this woman! Kill this swoop rider! Kill them all! After the battle, everyone would meet back at the apartment. Shortly after the bickering between Karth and Bastila of who should be in charge, Vinar, Bastila, and Karth would head back to the medical station in the upper city and deliver the last vial of the Rakul vaccine. The doctor would be forever grateful and thus tying up that story arc. Candorus would then send out a communique to Venar to meet in the Upper City Cantina. All three would meet with Candorus, and he would talk to them about the ship he wants to steal from Davik. But he needs the help of a droid. Candorus knows when it's time to leave a bad situation, and this would trigger Bastila to sense the presence of the dark side close by. Candorus would send Venar to pick up the droid in the droid shop, and this would introduce T3M4. T3 would follow Venar back to the cantina. The droid would recognize Karth and Bastila, and there would be a moment akin to BB-8 seeing Poe Dameron again. They would all head back to Davik's estate, and then of course the meeting with Davik and Kalonord would play out like the game, only Candorus would leave the room and follow Davik. 
The rest of this would play out like a Mission Impossible scenario, and then T3 would find a terminal he could spike into. T3 would open a path straight to the Ebonhawk, but would also see a bulletin to all Sith troopers to evacuate ASAP. T3 would say something about it, but it would be too late as the bombardment of Terrace would begin. Terrace is defenseless against our assault, Lord Malak. They are offering no resistance. The city is in ruins. Resume the bombardment, Commander. Wipe this pathetic planet from the face of the galaxy. Karth would radio Mission and Big Z to get to the main square where the Republic shuttle crashed and prepare to be picked up there. They would confirm, and Karth, Venar, Bastila, and T3 would make a mad dash to the hangar. Davik and Kalonord would be in the hangar and would confront our heroes as everything is falling apart around them. Before the firefight could even start, a random thermal detonator would land at Davik's feet and it would vaporize him. Kalo would be buried under the hangar rubble from a stray blast of the bombardment. Candors would then reveal himself as the one that threw the detonator. With no hesitation, everyone would get on the ship, Karth would take the controls and fly over the square. A laser bolt from one of the cruisers attacking the planet would hit the shuttle and destroy it. It would clear up a small pad for the Ebonhawk to make a quick landing, and Mission and Big Z would run and jump on board as explosions ensue behind them. The Ebonhawk would take off into orbit, and just like A New Hope, you would have Sith fighters blasting at any ship attempting to flee the planet. Plot a course for Dantooine. There's a Jedi Enclave there where we can find refuge. Incoming fighters! Quickly, to the gun turrets! You have to hold the Sith fighters off until we get those hyperspace coordinates punched in. Shortly after a brief space battle, the Ebonhawk crew would escape and jump into hyperspace. While in hyperspace, Venar would go and check on Mission and Zalbar. Mission and Big Z would say they're alright, but Mission would clearly be in shock. The Ebonhawk would come out of hyperspace and then land on Dantooine. The exact scenes from the game would commence as Venar meets with the Jedi Council and they agree to trade him. And that is how I'm going to end Season 1 in my series pitch for Knights of the Old Republic. So I lied, this turned into a full short version of a story. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it though, and let me know what you think. I can totally continue this into a part 2 if you like. Anyways, thank you Cassie and Brian for having me on as a guest in the past and allowing me to be a part of this rap party. Woohoo! If you'd like to follow me, head to themoslareview.com. That's the central hub to find my Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and all my information. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to get back to work on Season 3 of Hollow Chronicles of a Jedi. Until next time, y'all. <laughs>
you will be able to see him as Trask in Unreal Cinema's uh, KOTOR adaptation. And that was a really good use of our lo-fi, so maybe we should like incorporate that into more of our future episodes. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's do that. Let's, let's drop some lo-fi right here, and we'll be right back to carry on the uh, KOTOR fan celebration. little bit of a gotcha question brian but um okay yeah um so how does your pitch kind of differ from mine like because sometimes i think we kind of more emphasize like my view of things but uh how do you kind of see your pitch being different like if you had to like kind of give the elevator pitch of your adaptation what would you say Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um i i think in a lot of ways, our pitches are very similar. Um, one of the the things that I see in an adaptation um, that I think that you and I differ on a little bit is I, um, I'm i kind of with uh, Jake and his uh, pitch. Is I really see once Revan finds out the truth about who he is, I can see him going more into this descent into darkness and it being kind of like this inner turmoil within him throughout the rest of the film, um, you know, until uh, until the end we get off the Star Forge and, uh, you know, get Bastila back to uh, the light side. But I, I think that my adaptation would really play into, into like I said, that, that inner turmoil. And you and I pitched this in, in three parts in a, in a trilogy of films. So really that's kind of what the last film for me is about. Um, it's about, you know, him him facing all of these demons. So he's facing, uh, the demon of, of Malik, his, you know, former friend, um, you know, and confidant who, you know, and they had this uh, betrayal amongst them. He's facing, uh, the fact that he lost Bastila to the dark side. Um, and some, you know, in a, you know, similar way to how he'd lost Malik and how he'd lost himself. And then he's also facing, um, his own demons. So I think that, yeah, it's just kind of this, uh, this big turmoil for Revan in the, in the third act of our trilogy. I think that's, that's probably how ours differ the most. I think through kind of the first two films, they're, they're pretty similar the way that, that we laid them out, but. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a good point because now that I really think about it, like the revelation would kind of destroy someone and even, Mm -hmm. even in star Wars. So, uh, I don't know, like, that's why, like, in my hypothesized, you know, KOTOR adaptation that's not going to happen, cinematic universe, um, I would kind of want to have Revan, like, have to confront, like, you, you know, like, Jedi Crusader Revan, and then kind of, like, Darth Revan, the 
all the kind of different faces like he's had on his on his path, you know, like when he was a Republic soldier, a neophyte Padawan, like mm-hmm. pre-memory wipe, Sith Lord, uh, all that, and like kind of just have to like sit with it, you know, and like not like like I don't think the message would be like you have to destroy who you used to be. It's just like these are all parts of you as you move mm-hmm. forward, like there's going to be some, some ambiguity and maybe like every day is going to be, you know, a battle, but like maybe he can progress and be good, but maybe it's not going to be in the, in the form of him being a Jedi. Yeah. I think at the, at the heart of the story, yeah, it's, it's figuring out how to deal with Revan's, you know, kind of past, present and future. Um, you know, I think is the the underlying kind of heart of the story. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that I didn't overshadow your view of like the hypothesized KOTOR adaptation that's not going to happen. You know? So, um, <laughs> yeah, no. And I and that was that was the fun thing, you know, going through and talking about this is that you and I had um, different ideas and we, you know, could kind of bounce them off of one another and. Uh, we would each, you know, see things a little bit differently than the other person. And, you know, and I think that that's, you know, really por- important. And that's how, you know, like the creative process works is sometimes you see an idea that's, you know, different than yours. And, you know, you can kind of take that and, and make it your own and uh, shift things around. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of a fun process of going uh, through all of this with you. Your mind. I was about to be like, oh, wait, is that how a healthy creative process comes to be? (laughs) You know, so, yeah, Mm, maybe, Um, maybe. I don't know. I don't know for sure. But (laughs) we we have fun doing this, you know, Um, that's right. That's right. Okay, so one thing we may differ on or we may just agree on is fan cast. So um, who would your fan cast for like Revan, Bastila and Karth be? Yeah, so um, so you you said that you might have uh, you know uh, set a shadow out over top of my adaptation, and that's not true. But you but you have swayed me to your team in the fan cast for Revan. So uh, my Revan fan cast is going to be Ben Barnes, um, and that's the same as yours. Uh, it's not Keanu Reeves, although you and I did do an episode, uh, you know, late last year where we talked about why Revan could be Keanu Reeves and why that would be excellent. But, but yeah, I'm going Ben Barnes for my Revan. Cassia, you talked me into it. Yeah. I mean, I, I love me some Ben Barnes. I will die on the hill that Michael B. Jordan would be an excellent Revan. And he would be true. Um, true. I don't know, maybe Andrew Garfield, um, Dev Patel, you know, um, basically mm-hmm. anyone, mm-hmm. like if it's an, unknown actor kind of rising actor like if they just like if it's written well and they act well i'm gonna be like cool i'm sold this is gonna be amazing but in my heart of hearts like i'd be like cool ben barnes is the right answer you know um Mm -hmm. and then uh bastila who is your bastila fan cast so i was thinking about this a lot today and i'd I'd given some pitches I, i you know i gave some i gave some ideas uh, back when you very first started this, you know, all the way back in like episode 30 and you started doing fan casts and, and they've kind of changed. But today I was thinking about it. Um, and I think that if I was going to cast 
Bastila today, I'm going to go with Elle Fanning. Um, I think that she's good. She's up and coming. Um, I think she has some emotional depth to her. Um, she's the right age. She has the right look. Um, I think that the Elle Fanning is my Bastila for, you know, for my adaptation if I'm doing it. Oh, yeah. That's a good casting. I mean, mine used to be Vanessa Kirby, but I was like, you know what? Like, I think she's like trying to be like a serious actress and like I don't want Star Wars to kind of like ruin her chances of getting an Oscar. So uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, like for me, like Jodie Comer would be good, too. Um, and then Jesse May Lee would be amazing as well. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, I, I'll just echo the sentiment, you know, like that anyone I think would be uh, a good like if they can act well and they mm-hmm. can and if it's written well. Um, I, I'm going to be like team light side and like, it'll be good. Right. Yeah. That's kind of the, the recurring theme here is that all of our characters have so much kind of nuance and so much emotion. It's important, I think, to, you know, to cast actors that can, that can portray, you know, that, with that wide range, you know, it's not just a, it's not just an action flick. It's not, you know, it's not just, you know, like a, a, a sad tale. It's this whole like wide range of, of things that need to be portrayed, especially if you're going to be doing it over the course of three films, like, you know, we would be doing it. Yeah. And then who is your Ebon Hawk pilot daddy? Like who is Karth? <laughs> so, so my Karth, uh, I'm going with Jonathan Majors, um, who was uh, most recently in Lovecraft Country. Um, I think that he's excellent. Um, he, like I said, he he can wear a lot of emotion. He can he can wear it on his sleeve. He'd look good in an orange jacket. Um, yeah, Jonathan Majors is is my Karth. Uh, what about you? Uh, well, ever since like I rewatched. Red Tails, which is now available, you know, on Disney Plus and everyone should watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, Nate Parker is my Karth fan cast. Uh, okay. But I'm also open to the idea of Jake Johnson or Adam Scott. Okay. Okay. Those would be good Karths. Yeah, I could be, yeah. I could be on board with that. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'm just such a big fan of Into the Spider-Verse, you know, uh, that I'm like, I, I just want Jake Johnson to be in more more stuff. So, yeah, there uh, you go. Yeah. 106 is like one of like still one of my favorite episodes we've done. So shout That's out right. to from, Schrader from the uh, from the Spider-Verse to the KOTOR-Verse. The KOTOR cinematic adaptation that's not happening universe. Like, how do we say that? Like, into the KOTOR cinematic adaptation that's not happening cinematic universe. Yeah, I love it. That's right. It might not be happening, but we do have, have another fan. Yeah. We have a, yeah, we have a hashtag and we have another fan pitch. Um, it's coming from Johnny from uh, Journal of the Wills. I think he sent something in, didn't he? Yes, he did. So this is coming from Jonathan a.k.a. Journal of the Wills from Instagram. So let me just read this. This is coming from him. What would my dream KOTOR adaptation look like? Without wanting to be too contrary, I honestly think my dream adaptation would be as a contemporary AAA action-adventure game with a single largely linear storyline rather than an RPG with non-canonical iterations of characters and outcomes. I'm sure that's hearsay to many folk who love playing the dark side on KOTOR or 
who love the RPG mechanics or who could mourn the inevitable absence of certain storylines and character beats. But as much as I loved playing KOTOR, I have only played it through to completion once, and my recent replay on Switch has been stalled because of book reading goals. I would replay an inevitably shorter action adventure game with much more frequency. Maybe the remake that is in progress will tweak things in my preferred direction. Though I also wouldn't want fans who hope for a more faithful update to miss out on what they want out of that remake either. If we're moving away from the game formats altogether and thinking about adaptations in wholly different media, my ideal adaptation would be audiovisual rather than in publishing, and given the amount of story crammed in into the 30 to 50 hour playtime of the game, some sort of series seems the most appropriate. Ideally, I'd like to first see canonical streaming adaptations of Tales of the Jedi and the KOTOR comics, all building up to the adaptations of the KOTOR games and the Revan novel. For one thing, being reunited with Jolie in the KOTOR series has having seen the backstory with his wife inserted into the Tales of the Jedi series could be a beautiful thing. I don't have particular ideas or wishes for how all the characters' locations and missions of the game should feature or be dealt with, but I would want the core Bastila and Revan relationship to feel plausible with ups and downs and emotional nuance that the original game mechanic didn't really allow for. I want to see Revan seriously pissed at being gaslit by the Jedi in general, and Bastila in particular, and still come out on the light side of things eventually. Anyways, not the most original thoughts, I'm sh and I'm sure I'll have more when I manage to kickstart my replay, but that's where my brain's at right now. Take care, folks. Best, Johnny M. Uh, I think that was a, a great take, you know, like kind of mm -hmm. having a, a video game uh, that isn't necessarily just a, an RPG. Yeah, and I think that we'll probably... I think that the remake's probably going to go kind of down that path a little bit. Maybe not a not a straight linear gameplay, but I think that um, it's going to at least be kind of a, a mashup between an RPG and that. And I'm okay with that because I agree with uh, you know Journal of the Wills here because you know I don't have a lot of time to sink you know forty, fifty, sixty hours into an RPG. I just wanna I just wanna get the story, um, see how it's you know, see how it's been updated or changed or see, j just see the story. That's, that's what I'm most interested in too. So, uh, so yeah. yeah, I'm definitely, definitely on board with that. And, you know, Tales of the Jedi, there's, there's been that flying around the rumor mill. Uh, so yeah, definitely bring that on. I have the uh, comics right over, right over there. I need to, uh, read through those again, but yeah, I would, I would love to see some sort of, some sort of series, you know, diving into that part of the lore too. Yeah, Tales of the Jedi would be amazing to see as a series. One thing I wouldn't want, though, is, like, too much, like, backstory of Revan. Like, sometimes I think it's just best, like, for mm -hmm. KOTOR to be the introduction to the character. Because if not, like, the reveal is kind of, like, not as much of a reveal. Sure, I mean, yeah. that's kind of why, like, when I watch Star Wars, it's, like, in the order 1-2... Four, five, three, six, and then seven, eight, and nine. You know, and then mm -hmm. you can do whatever you want with Rogue One or Solo. But, um, yeah, like I, I kind of think like that's kind of the best 
entry point to the Revan character. And then, like, it would be cool to kind of see more Mandalorian wars, you know, and, and all that. Yeah, and definitely is, would shed some more light on the characters that you might not be able to accomplish in, you know, just a movie adaptation. Um, but yeah. to really kind of flesh out their backstories, uh, which is why people love the Clone Wars, because that basically, you know, fleshed out that whole time, you yeah. know, in the, in the prequel trilogy. So, you know, so, same kind of thing, but we need that for KOTOR, too. Yeah, and I I do like the the points he made about, like, the relationship feeling plausible, because I, mm-hmm. I mean, like, when I... I think, like, in my opinion, like, when Revan would learn that he's been gaslit and, like, Bassa was lying, like, that would kind of, like, break the force bond for a bit, you know? And, like, I do think they could work through it, but it would be something, like, drastic to work through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, there would be some some emotional toll played on you if you if you went through that. Definitely. And I think, you know, having that be a central part of the story would be would be a really good way to tell it. Yeah. Um, And a nice seamless transition from that is uh, (laughs) who would you cast as Candorous? Yeah. So so Candorous in the game looks like a younger uh, Ron Perlman, but uh, he can't do it now. He's he's getting up in age. So I'm going with Josh Brolin. Uh, I, th- I think that he fits the bill. Um, I think his portrayal of Gunny and Dune, um, I think is, is very similar to Candorous and, uh, that's who, that's who I like in this role. Uh, what about you, Cassia? Who is, who is your Candorous? Um, uh, for me, Nikolai Costa-Waldo, um, okay. is, is like probably my number one, but if Idris Elba doesn't end up playing James Bond, or if he wants to play Candorous and James Bond, it'd be like Idris Elba or Ken Watanabe, personally. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, those are those are good picks. I'd love to see uh, Idris Elba in in a Star Wars project, you know, be it Candorous or uh, something else, because I love him; he's great. Yeah. Uh, what about your Juhani fan cast? Uh, so my Juhani fan cast. This one, this one's a tricky one, but I'm going to go with Julia Garner. Um, and you might know her if you watch Ozark on Netflix. Um, she plays uh, Ruth on that. Um, she's excellent. I think that Juhani's a character that has a lot of kind of kind of pain from her upbringing and uh, you know the stuff that she's dealt with with the the Jedi Council. And I think that Julia Garner can can really lean into that. Um, I think that she's excellent. Um, I. I love her and what i've seen her in and i i think that's who i'm going with for juhani uh what about your juhani um i don't really have a hard fast like it's a tricky one stone uh fan cast i think it's someone new you know like kind of Mm -hmm. breaking onto the scene like it'd be cool if we saw like rachel zegler you know but like maybe she wants to do like other things like win an oscar you know so I I think just the best person for the part and it might be like a new upcoming actress. So I'm just excited to get more Juhani, you know, uh, appreciation out there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And and what about uh, what about Jolie? You're probably going to ask. Well, uh, you and I both want to cast Marcus as Jolie. But uh, if he is off the table, if his asking price is too much. I'm going with Lenny James. Uh, he's been my pick, you know, ever since we were back doing the Manon episodes. Um, 
Uh, he's great. Uh, the Walking Dead is probably what you would know him from. Uh, but but he's ba- he's basically Jolie, and that's that's who I cast. Uh, what about you, Cassia? Uh, Keith David, Keith David forever. Uh, I just love his work in Community, Gargoyles, and especially The Princess and the Frog, um, mm-hmm. and v- much much more. Like uh, I-, I would love to see him as that character. Yeah. Uh, let's let's do one more here before our next pitch. So uh, this one is my toughest one to do. Um, I've never been able to pick a good character for mission. Uh, it's it's tricky for me, but I'm going to go if I have to pick because it's the KOTOR fan celebration. I'm going with Maisie Williams uh, from Game of Thrones. Um, I think that she, you know, she she is short in stature. She's sneaky. She's an assassin. Uh, in Game of Thrones uh, kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I think that, that she could play a good mission. She's a little bit snarky, uh, which is important. And I think she could have a good, um, you know, kind of, you know, brother-sister uh, relationship with Big Z. Uh, so Maisie Williams, that's my pick for mission. Yeah, so my uh, mission fan cast would be Haley Steinfeld. Okay. She's a great actress and kind of have that spunk uh, that mission has and like her work in Hawkeye just made me uh it made me get the Hawkeye comics and I think she could be a, a great mission Hmm. yeah I, I like that uh that casting quite a bit I think that that's yeah. a good one so so Brian your mission if you choose to accept it is to read Ironic's pitch are, are you ready I I accept this mission, and I am ready to read it. So yeah, so this pitch comes from our pal, uh, Ironic Designs. Go check his uh, artwork and all that good stuff out on, um, he's on Instagram. It's Ironic Designs, I-R-O-N-I-C-K, like Nick uh, Designs. So go check him out. But uh, what about his pitch? So let's see here. So Nick sends us this uh, email, and it says, I believe I suggested KOTOR to be adapted to a series as opposed to films. It's so expansive with ritual building and a mythology of its own that I don't think that three movies could give it justice without sacrificing a lot of great moments, especially with basically a first-person game character like Revan, who in my opinion will never appease everyone because everyone has a different version of him envisioned in their mind and because the original game revolved around that. A character like that alone needs more screen time to develop and maybe showcase a little bit of everything of what the game allowed Revan to do and choose to keep that familiarity and still instill new ideas about the characters. They need a little bit more screen time. Also, I'm biased when I say I would prefer eight seasons of hour-long episodes, 80 hours. If we're going with a 10-episode season, then say a nine-hour film trilogy of Star Wars content. I love movies in general, but I think the future of Star Wars should be more in series than in films, especially something as vast as the Old Republic timeline. So, uh, yeah, that's Ironic's pitch to us. Uh, Very good. Thank you for submitting that to us, Nick. We really appreciate uh, that. Uh, What do you what do you think about that? What do you think about, uh, you know, a series as opposed to to movies? What do you what do you think about that? First, I, I wanted to say uh, thank you, Nick, for all of the incredible designs you've helped us with uh, over over the, I guess, years. 
Yeah. Wow, this podcast has kind of been around a long time now that I think about it. But um, And he helped us with episodes 27 and 45. And honestly, I think they're some of our best episodes, and we'd always love to have him on again sometime. Um, but yeah, um, for me, I just love movies. I've always loved movies, and I think I just kind of prefer the... I prefer, like, movies to to series, but I can see the point. Mm-hmm. I guess what what makes me nervous is I just saw the Book of Boba Fett episode six, and I know a lot of people loved it, but, like, for me, like, if that happened to KOTOR, where it's kind of just, like, kind of feels disjointed, you know, it mm-hmm. and, like, kind of fan service and, like, every episode or, like, every character in Star Wars had a cameo, I'd be like, um, if they do this with KOTOR, I'd be very nervous. So, like, I'm kind of, like, married to the idea of uh, of a trilogy of movies. But I'm always open if it's a good, well-crafted story. Yeah, I think I think for me, personally, if I was going to tell the story of KOTOR, I would do it in a film and then have kind of supplemental television around it. Uh, but I really like television series, Um uh, they're kind of my jam, so so I like I like where is he's coming from with that. Um, I will say I think that eight seasons is probably a little bit too long. I think that most TV series, you know, at, at least in my opinion, start to kind of run their course by the time they get to like season five or six. So so maybe maybe not quite that much, but I could see doing a couple of like you know just a couple of seasons of different stories and having them. Uh, bounce around a little bit but yeah i think i think if i was if i was doing it i'd do i'd do some movies and then do some tv shows you know to kind of kind of lead into the movie and lead out of the movie and explore different you know parts of the universe that were going on in that time because i think that just the time period of knights of the old republic is super interesting and i would just like to see more about that you know even if that story doesn't really you know have anything to do with the crew of the ebon hawk necessarily yeah so speaking of the ebon hawk there are droids that are part of the Ebon Hawk crew. Uh, there are. Yeah. Who is your uh, fan cast for for our beloved, you know, Hellion of a droid? Yeah, that's right. So, so we've got uh, HK there. We have to uh, we have to get an actor in to do the uh, voice for him. And my fan cast for him is Danny Pudi from Community. So this is our second shout out to Community uh, here on the episode, but yeah, I think that he's great. He's done some voice work. I think he does, um, he does a voice in DuckTales, I believe. Um, and I think he just has kind of this, this dry, like sarcasm. He can come off as sounding, uh, robotic almost when he wants to. And, uh, I think that, uh, Danny Pudi is a good pick, but, but what about you? Who is your assassin droid? Um, I would say my fan cast is Bill Hader. I think he's an excellent, uh, comedian. Uh, mm-hmm. many great skits on SNL. Um, I haven't really been watching SNL as much lately, but um, I think he's a great comedian and a great voice actor, and I think he could kind of bring uh, some nice humor to, to the role. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that pick quite a bit. Yeah, I, I would be I would be okay with either of those. I think they would both do a good job. Okay, so, so Malik... What are your thoughts on on uh, Malik Fancast? <laughs> That's right. So so yeah. So we made it through the heroes. We are up to the the big bad here. Um, so Malik has a jaw, has a bad voice. Um, 
so so I don't know. He's he's a tricky one to fan cast. Um, but if I'm if I'm doing it, I've always stuck with him. And it's Tahar Rahim. Um, I think he has the look. I think he has an interesting voice. Um, I think you could probably put him in a metallic jaw, and he would be okay with that. Um, yeah, he's an excellent actor, uh, just incredible. Um, I think he could really do a wonderful performance of Malik, and uh, you know, turn him into a character that's that's more deserving of you know being this this big bad, you know, even more than what we saw in the game. Yeah, it's funny because I think some of my views have changed over over time mm-hmm. uh, but some of these fan casts I have like if you listen to the episode I'm gonna basically say the same thing that I I did like when we originally said them sure <laughs> um, yeah but, like my Malik fan cast like I have a short list um and it's Nikolai Costerwaldo, Henry Cavill and Sam Worthington because I think Sam Worthington has a great forehead and could look great bald and uh Henry okay. Cavill I think can play good villains, you know, and has a good physicality that I think uh if they're trying to make uh Malik kind of intimidating that way and like Henry Cavill can like kind of stretch his acting, you know, a bit more. Mm-hmm. I think he's I think he's great at a villain and Nikolai Costawaldo, I just love his voice and think he can uh play great villains, you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, uh, Nikolai Costarwaldo, you cast him for two parts, so you ha- yeah, you you can only give him one. So, which one's it going to be? Uh, probably Candorus. Uh, he was the only pick there, but uh, I I would say if I had to choose, I would be like Candorus. So okay, yeah. okay. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I think that those castings are good. Um, you know, a lot of people over over the the course of the podcast and you know doing. Uh, the sad adaptation and things have sent in a lot of uh, really good fan casts. And that's always fun to fun to hear. And hopefully, you know, we'll kind of keep that going as we start talking about, you know, other uh, older public, you know, projects and things we can keep the fan cast going. Cause those are always fun and it's fun to think about. And cause then it starts, you know, it gets your mind thinking about other movies and other TV shows and projects and stuff and uh, how someone could be in those roles. So uh, that is really fun. I think. So Brian, uh, what are some of your favorite locations or story sections throughout uh, throughout the trilogy? Yeah, so you know the the favorite location it changes all the time. Um, I I always kind of bounce around. I don't I don't know if it's just where what like my mood is on that particular day or or where I wish I was. Uh, you know, if it's if it's been snowing here, I might say that I wish I was on Lehan because that beach looks nice. But um, I think. If I look at KOTOR as a story, um, and this has definitely changed. So in 2003, you know, four, whenever I played this for the first time, it definitely was not this location. But now that we've talked about it as a film adaptation, my favorite location is Manan because it is so interesting. Um, just kind of this political turmoil that's going on. Um, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I love it. I love that part of the game now um and yeah that's that's definitely taken me 20 years to get there but but here we are manan that's my favorite uh place in the game uh what about you where where are your favorite locations um so if we're talking about our first film that's not happening um dantuane is just a nice question mark because i'm kind of not quite sure what the film inspirations Mm -hmm. for there would be but it's just like so interesting because it's kind of uh 
a mystery, it's kind of like you think it's going to be really nice, but then you're like, uh, none of these people are really being forthcoming or honest with me. So it kind of feels like mm-hmm. on the surface it looks nice, but it's kind of like, it's like, is this like kind of culty, you know? Uh, so it kind of right, like yeah. leaves a, a question. And then Kashik is, is really cool or Kashik. I don't know. Uh, just like after talking with Huni, I'm like, oh, it would be so cool to kind of like develop the the Wookiee culture, you know, and mm-hmm. kind of see what it would look like on screen. Um, and then uh, in the second film, like Manon, like I wrote it down on a piece of paper and put lots of hearts around Manon. So like I oh, think it just like has the potential to be so interesting um, for our characters and like you can do a lot with politics there and like a lot of, uh, world building galaxy building, you know, I just think it's Manon is the gift that keeps on giving. And, uh, yeah, of course seeing the reveal on film would be interesting. And I may be, you know, working on a small, you know, fan film, you know, like, and it's, it's kind of hard to crack that to get it to work on film, you know, but it, it would be cool mm-hmm. to see. And then basically all of the third film, they're all my favorite. I love, you know, uh, Corban. I love Lehan. I love the Star Forge, you know, like I just love everything. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> lots, lots of love going around. Uh, definitely. Um, and as far as favorite, like story section parts, um, I'm always a sucker for, uh, going in and exploring the tombs on Korriban. Um, you know, I think it's the Indiana Jones fan in me, the Dr. Afra fan in me. I really like uh, going and checking out the tombs and the relics and uh, kind of those little stories. So I think that's probably my favorite uh, individual story section. But are there any any story sections in KOTOR that you're particularly fond of or, you know, want to see put on put on film or TV or... Well, I just love Terrace so much. And it's like, can we get like 30 hours on Terrace, please? No, just just, that's sarcasm. The Terrace Chronicles. Um, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I actually, I, I think that Dantooine is so interesting. Uh, just kind of mm-hmm. like, it's probably the Jedi Council at its, at its worst. And uh, they kind of like set up like, Bastila to fail and I think that's just so interesting to watch um and then like like kind of seeing um Tatooine and Manon and like Tatooine doesn't necessarily have to be Tatooine if that would like be too much Tatooine uh, like I it could be Jetta or you know we could even switch out some of these worlds like after watching uh you know, an episode of the Book of Boba Fett, I was like, ooh, like, what if, like, the Minds of Mandalore kind of, like, incorporated into the new canon to kind of be, like, uh, the Minds of Moria or Mm kind of, like, Helm's Deep, you know? Um, Because we can do anything we want, you know? Like, we we can make some new stories along the way and have some fun with it, switch up the planets and... In a in an adaptation, like I like what you mentioned about like Corbon, like the tombs, like all these star maps, like could be unique. Uh, we have to mm-hmm. find them in different ways and like kind of have fun with like Indiana Jones, you know. So 
that that's what I would say. Yeah, there's there's a lot of room for interpretation and new locations and uh, kind of new ways to look at old locations. And that's that is the blessing of going this far back in the past is you're not tied to anything that that we know about any of these places or planets or uh, characters. So you can have, a, you know, it's just a, a whiteboard of possibilities for everyone. And then all of Act 3 would be my favorite. So it's hard <laughs> because I just love everything. So I need to learn to, to kind of be ambivalent about things. Well, Act Act 3 is good. And uh, I, I know it's your favorite part because uh, Basila gets a lot of uh, character development in, in the third act. So uh, this over this last week, I've done polls on my Instagram, which is at Astro underscore Droid underscore, um, to find out who everyone's favorite companion would be. Now, I gave Bastila a free pass, you know, being being a dyad, she gets to she gets to be there automatically. But I kind of went through the whole rest of the crew of the Ebon Hawk, and we finally got down to the last two, and it was Jolie and Karth. And Jolie won. Jolie won the fan poll. Uh, for favorite companion, what what do you what do you think about that? I love taking Jolie around. He has a lightsaber, but but Karth, I mean, he's part he's part of the trio. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I think out of like the Ebon Hawk crew, I I really like Bastila and Karth uh, and Jolie the most. So, but I think it makes sense that Jolie wins because I think he's kind of like the first Gray Jedi before there were Gray Jedi you know, and just mm-hmm. has a lot of wisdom and uh, charisma. And uh, I think it's a little bit more of a nuanced character than HK. And I know HK is hilarious, but um, I think Jolie is well-rounded, you know, and he's he's a good he's a good mentor to our protagonists. He's, he's definitely important. He's he's important in our our uh, film adaptations that we that we put together but yeah it was kind of surprising i was surprised so hk barely uh, edged out t3 i was surprised that he didn't win bigger there and and then jolie uh beat hk i believe was the way that it went so uh but yeah, yeah jolie was jolie was the was the fan pick so so there you go but in in another film it, it like the sequel whatever the sequel is whether it's a novel or a series or a web series who knows like for kotor 2 i do think t3 could ice capade yeah an yeah. ice capade yeah. t3 on ice you know might uh. absorb usurp you know the Kreia. <laughs> so yeah that's right i mean not to get too far ahead of ourselves but if uh, t3 wasn't in kotor 2 your ship would crash and the game would be over before you even got to Paragus. So t3 is super important in kotor 2 for sure for sure uh but you know, that's that's a story for another time. But a story for this time is we have another pitch. Yeah. And this is also from Jake. So but another Jake. So another Jake. So let's uh let's uh give this one a listen. Hey, this is uh Jake McFit. I'm a huge fan of the Old Republic podcast and this is my pitch for um what anything coats or what, what what my dream adaptation would be. Uh so with with the show that uh, Scott's making from Unreal Cinema, I'm, I'm already, th- that's pretty much my dream already right there. But uh, one, one thing I, I really, really hope for is that hopefully if, 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 if the project garners enough attention, you know, more people, more of a team, and Scott can really, um, like, benefit from views and whatnot with it, 
I really hope that he's able to attempt to make a show out of the Mandalorian Wars. Because uh, KOTOR is a very striking similarity with um, the original trilogy in that both of them have like a war that precedes it, along with the war that's going on at the moment, like uh, with, with the Empire and the Rebellion or the uh, Republic, uh, Jedi Civil War, and then with the Clone Wars and Mandalorian Wars. Uh, I was thinking that because they take place over a longer period of time, a show covering that would that would be my oh that that would just be one of my dream uh, adaptations for something in the Kotor universe. Because if anything, that's a universe that doesn't really get explored as much as it should be. Because let's face it, the stuff that we know now, like as much as I like the Book of Boba uh, and Mandalorian. They're exploring peers that are honestly like a little done to death, and to me, th this would be just a uh, hole in one. It would be such a dream to see this happen. I would love a show based on it, either by uh, uh, Scott or whoever else wants to do it, I guess. And um, as, as far as my hopes and dreams for the Kota remake that's coming out, I really hope that they stick to what uh, the first two games set up about Revan and his character. Because I feel like that he he was kind of uh, bastardized and neutered in in the Old Republic MMO, and they sort of dragged out his story unnecessarily. And also including the book, I wasn't really a fan of how he was uh, taken taken care of there. And I really hope that the game just remains true to who he was originally and gives him some agency. Because uh, I'm one of the few people that actually doesn't like being a the, the one of those RPG elements of um, like picking out your dialogue choices and whatnot, and I actually like it when, when a character seems to have their own agency, and since the main character would be Revan, I would really hope that they would at least make it feel like uh, the character has some of his own agency and like makes decisions and whatnot, and that would be my dream for the game, just really make the story, r really make uh, Revan feel like uh, the man he was in those original two games, and also just deliver on the gameplay. Make sure that that make sure that it's good, and that it stays true to what we love about the universe. Uh, thank you. I hope this gets put on. Um, this is Jake. <laughs> uh, have a good day. Thank you guys. Love your podcast. Well, thank you, Jake. It, it did get put on. So thank you for the excellent pitch. No, yeah, yeah. Thanks uh, so much, Jake. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to send that in, and uh, definitely some good thoughts there. Uh, what do you think about that, Cassia? Do we need a we need a Mandalorian Wars show? Um, I do like what Jake said, like about kind of wanting to get away from the Mandoverse. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I kind of just want to get away from that timeline. I wonder what's gonna. I I don't think that will happen. But if we did kind of see the Mandalorian Wars. I'd be down to see that, and uh, I'd love to see Scott, you know, potentially kind of work there in the future, you know? And I think you could work there, mm -hmm. too, Brian, if you wanted to. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I would, I would go to Mandalore, for sure. I don't <laughs> I don't know if I could win the uh, win the Darksaber. I, well, I don't even know if the Darksaber was, was around quite then. I don't... I'm not... I'm not up to date on my... All of my Mandalorian lore, but I would be interested to see kind of like an actual like war story i guess um in the in the star wars i mean obviously the whole thing is a war story but but one that's actually like 
you know, kind of kind of battle lines, you know, in the in the old republic. Uh, I think that that would be fun, and that would be that would be interesting. And uh, I, I don't know. I think it would be a good way to introduce a lot of different different characters. I'd mentioned it before, you know, to have kind of side stories that weren't necessarily tied into to Revan and uh, Malik and you know the rest of the crew. But uh, but this would be a good way to you know introduce us to other people that were you know fighting in the front lines of these uh, Mandalorian and Republic wars and things like that. I think that that would be. That'd be uh, pretty interesting. I would be down for that, something like that. Yeah, and I'm not the biggest fan of the older public and Revan novel. Like, kind of just like I'm fine with Swotor's story on its own, but I feel like they kind of just tried to tack on Revan to kind of sell it. And it's like I'd rather just kind of have people live and die mm-hmm. in their own times and like kind of see the complete story of Kotor, you know, and then like. It's kind of like Star Trek, you know, like James Kirk has his crew and his story and then there is Picard, you know, and like, I mean, through the magic of time travel, sometimes they like interact, but it's for the most part, it's kind of like them dealing with their own problems, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And and I think I think when we get the when we get the remake, I think that it is going to be a little bit more of a of a linear story i don't think i it, you know it's still probably going to be open to some interpretations but i think that that story is going to be a little bit more you know buttoned down uh you know so it's gonna it's gonna fit in this uh expanding canon universe you know at least at some point i think so i i think that's probably the the way that it's going to go yeah so thank you jake for your pitch and uh yeah. Um, did you have any like ideas for like Kotor side stories, uh, kind of outside of our proposed trilogy that will never happen? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, I, it, there's there are so many different stories you could tell. Um, you know, whether it be focused on, you know, the the Jedi and the Council and the way that they're doing things. Uh, or in in the Sith and telling stories through the Sith Academy, um, you know, we'd mentioned a couple of times, you know, different different iterations of like the Mandalorian uh, wars and things that are going on. But um, I, I really like the idea of having like the the tales of the Jedi, uh, you know, done into like an animation or some side stories or you know, just kind of stuff like that. <laughs> you and I, we we've joked before about doing like a law and order type of a show on Manon because uh, you have the Arbiter section uh, stuff like like that would be super fun I don't know that how realistic that that would be but but I would love to just do you know just something that could run like alongside of the events of Knights of the Old Republic just so we could you know open up that part of the universe a little bit more um, I think that that is really what what I would be interested in. Yeah. I mean, I'm always down to see like a mission in big Z animated show. It mm-hmm. could incorporate, you know, the side quests that wouldn't make it into an adaptation and Gizka and droids could be present and it would be cute. You know, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be canon canon, you know, it could just be fun, you know, uh, and I do like the idea of a Tales of the Jedi show, uh, like kind of like live action standalones, like mm-hmm. kind of like you flesh out that era. And honestly, like if the Book of Boba Fett 
was like called Tales of Tatooine, I think maybe I would enjoy that show better, you know? Um, <laughs> right, sure. I'm really, uh, maybe I need to be more positive about the Book of Boba Fett, but um, yeah, but also like the Mandalorian Wars, like what if there was like a uh, animated show that kind of led up to uh, kind of showed the Mandalorian Wars and like Revan and Malik falling to the dark side? I think that would mm-hmm. be pretty cool, you know, and uh, whatever KOTOR 2 was, you know, uh, I'm always down for for any good stories being told. Yeah, definitely. I would, yeah, I would like to see, you know, like, like you said, maybe some like one off like live action kind of things. I would like like a like a comic book tie in to um, maybe that's how I would tell like a Revan and Malik story, like leading up to the events of kotor um it's through comic book um and yeah I, lo- I love the idea of like a mission in big z like uh like animated series where they're they're running around and they keep getting accosted by gizko on their ship every time they <laughs> try to go somewhere and get something accomplished i think that that sounds super fun so i'd love to see something like that yeah and uh since you mentioned comics uh a candorous and juhani comics like I feel like maybe it would be kind of hard to like kind of incorporate some of their stories into an adaptation, but I feel mm-hmm. like uh, you could kind of tell more of it, more of their stories in comics. And I don't know. I kind of foresee them being friends, you know, like kind of hating each other at first, but then like they really have fun. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that there would be definitely some some friendship carrying over, and yeah, I would uh, obviously like to see some stories carrying on you know, of, of these characters, you know, after the events of Knights of the Old Republic too, to see kind of where they go, you know, does Candorus go back to, back to Mandalore? You know, is, is Juhani stay with, with the Jedi? Where, where does Jolie fit in with the Jedi after all of this? So all of those stories would be, be really fun to explore either in, uh, yep. You know, I, I don't see series coming from stuff like that, but you know, in books and in comics, um, I think you could tell those stories and, you know, kind of, you know, continue out the uh, character arcs for all of all of this cast of cast of uh, characters yeah and i just love like if i believe in anything i believe in stories and i don't know as a kid i just love star wars you know and probably mm-hmm. too much but you know i try to be well-rounded but the stories i kind of identify with like if it's like a star wars flavor I'm probably going to like it, you know, because I'm a little bit basic and I just love <laughs> me some some sci-fi fantasy, you know, space opera drama, you know. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, Star Wars holds a special place in our hearts um, and, and Knights of the Old Republic, you know, what? 20 years on, you know, we're still, still talking about it and talking about these characters and, uh, talking about, you know, ideas for making it into a film and, you know, other star Wars stories that we love and, you know, and really we couldn't do this without the, you know, support of our, of our fans, of our Patreon patrons, you know, um, all the people that took the time to send in some pitches. That was amazing. Uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, blown away by kind of the, you know, the reception of, of this. And I think that, you know, we had a, pretty successful uh, first KOTOR fan celebration. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited about, about the, uh, the future of KOTOR. 
Yeah, and in case you forgot, there's going to be a, a remake of the of the game probably coming out next year. So, uh, and we'll always be talking about like Kotor, Kotor Two, Swotor, Star Wars. You know, like pop culture at large. You know, and in case mm-hmm, you missed mm-hmm. this uh, fan celebration. There will be a second, so so don't worry, you know. And uh, so thank you so much to all of our patrons for, on Patreon. And uh, before we closed out, we actually wanted to read some uh, five-star reviews from Apple Podcasts. Yeah, definitely. Um, so thank you uh, for everyone that has taken the time to uh, give us a review because that helps get the podcast out there into you know, more people's podcast feeds, you know, it helps out a ton. So we appreciate that. And we appreciate anyone that wants to go and leave us a five-star review there. You can also do on Spotify. Now they have uh, stars on there. So uh, please, you know, go do that and we'll read them on the air. Like this one that we got from Attested bat. Uh, I listen to this podcast a lot and I could listen to them for hours on end. They really know what they talk about and they show love to a star Wars era. Most people don't know about if you want to learn more about the Old Republic or Star Wars in general, this is a perfect podcast for you. Thanks, Attested Aww. Bat. And then this one comes from Sean O'Keefe. And he says, my favorite podcast with favorite in all caps. I remember first hearing about this podcast on Instagram and it's lived up to the name. It seems like KOTOR is getting a lot more love these days. More merchandise seems to be coming out for it than ever before. And the discussion about it has been growing. I have I always have this podcast on in the background because I love KOTOR so much and I love hearing other people talking about it. One of my favorite episodes is when they brought on this guy who gave the KOTOR soundtrack a lo-fi spin. This is something I never knew I needed. Anyway, keep up the great work. I'm so glad I found a great place to connect with one of my favorite Star Wars stories and the community that surrounds it. Yeah, thanks, Sean. And thanks to Chance John T, who says a fantastic podcast for any Star Wars fan, says the hosts do a wonderful job of bringing to life a beloved era of Star Wars lore. The Knights of the Old Republic games tell an amazing story, and this podcast enriches their experience. They also bring on board great guests who offer great perspectives to current and past lore. Thanks, Chance. We love the lore, gotta say. And then thank you to Igor Bosnia, who says the force is strong with this podcast. I enjoy listening to people who enjoy the Star Wars universe as much as I do. I've learned things I didn't know and found out about new books to read, games, etc. Definitely should add this one to your list. This is one of my favorite podcasts. May the Force be with you, smiley face. All right. Thank you, Igor. And one last one here from It's ConCon says that this is worth a listen. Amazing audio quality. Both hosts are knowledgeable and bring up great talking and thinking points. It's obvious that time and effort goes into each episode. Well, thank you. We do uh, do our best to, you know, put some thought and, uh, you know, give some give some good uh, things to think about in Knights of the Old Republic and Star Wars. So uh, thank you. It means a lot. Appreciate that. Yeah. So this has been an incredible episode. And uh, even though we've been recording about two hours, uh it, it feels just like 30 minutes. Like, I, I love I love this podcast, and um, I love our, our listeners, our followers, people who have supported us along the way. And uh, I don't know, like, the last couple years have been really, you know, not fun. And 
this podcast has always been fun and like at times like maybe like I was too focused on it but it was kind of like a a little bit of a lighthouse uh, during some some hard times so I just want to say thank you Brian thank you to all the friends I made and just like the connections I, I've I've made through this podcast they're they're real to me you know and Mm -hmm. In a way, I think this podcast has helped me be a better creative and a better person, and uh, I really don't want to cry, so I'm just going to turn it over to you, Brian. <laughs> yeah, thank you to all of the listeners. Thank you to our uh, patrons. Thank you to everyone who put in submissions to us. I That is, uh, you know, it's such an honor to get everyone's feedback. And uh, thank you to Cassia, who, um, you know, it about a year ago today asked me if I would come on and be a co-host of the podcast. Um, I was originally a fan of the podcast, like everyone listening out there. So, um, I definitely appreciate that. And it's been, you know, just an absolute blast talking about KOTOR, talking about movies, talking about, you know, all the things that we've gotten to talk about over the last year. So thank you to you and thank you to all the listeners that make it possible. And also thank you to star Wars podcast day, uh, which we are, uh, blown away to be a part of um so check them out on instagram at star wars pod day and there are you know just a slew of other star wars podcasts um i guarantee there's some in there that you'll love uh you know check those out check out their instagram page and you can check out star wars hashtag star wars podcast day on like instagram and twitter and all that stuff and kind of follow along with everyone that's posting so yeah super excited to be a part of that and super excited to put the you know the first ever KOTOR fan celebration to bed and now Cassia we have we have to you know keep this party going for another year so we can get the uh the second KOTOR fan celebration yeah or you know maybe it could be a semi-annual thing so uh who knows we're we're still figuring this out but uh in a world where this probably sounds trite and kind of overused and cheesy May the force be with you always. And you can find us on Instagram at Old Republic Podcast. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore droid underscore. And if you want to connect with us on Twitter, we can be found at Old Republic Pod. On Patreon, the link is in our Instagram bio, or you can find it at www.patreon.com slash Old Republic Podcast. And the Old Republic Podcast can be found on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscription, reviews, and shares help us out. Our intro theme was composed by Dennis S. Mowers at DennisMowersMusic.com. Our outro theme was composed by Alistair Sherman at AlistairSounds.Wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds. And our transition music was composed by Christian Walker at ChristianWalkerMusic.com. This episode of the Old Republic Podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now.